This is The Gum Guru with Dr. Macon Singletary from North Raleigh Periodontics. This is a show about keeping your teeth and gums healthy and how a healthy smile affects your overall health. Today's episode is called, Are Implants for Everyone? Why did you lose your teeth to begin with? Welcome to The Gum Guru Podcast with Dr. Macon Singletary. I'm Jason Kong here with Dr. Singletary and Dr. Singletary, as we just heard, we're going to be talking about implants today and who they're for. So let's just start there. One, quickly, what is an implant? And two, is it for everyone? Well, Jason, an implant is a artificial root, so to speak. Usually it's titanium. And titanium is a very biocompatible metal. There can be zirconium implants for people who have metal sensitivity, although zirconium is in the metal range as an element, but it's a zirconium oxide. But it's a, a way of replacing natural teeth without having something removable. Gotcha. So we can replace teeth that way. So is this something that we should all do? I mean, I I don't want to have to take care of my teeth for a few more decades, Dr. Singletary. Can I just go ahead and you know get a bunch of implants now? Can I do that? Is that <laughs> Does that work for everyone? Uh, I tell you that some patients come in and say, hey, I just took them out and do implants. And you know, it, the question would be, is an implant for everybody? And not necessarily. The three things that I look at when a patient comes in, sometimes they come in for an initial exam and they want to replace missing teeth or they may be periodontal involved or, they're, uh, or it's a second opinion. But um, the three things that I look at is actually the four they have to satisfy to be a good candidate. Are they periodontally stable? And in other words, why did they lose their teeth to begin with? If they lost their teeth due to periodontal disease, you'll lose an implant just as easy. So you know, that's something that has to be under control and understood. Second is, do they smoke? Nicotine is the kiss of death to implants. Nicotine affects bone metabolism and blood supply and turnover rate, collagen and bone synthesis. So that implant relies on bone integrating to the implant post. So anything that impedes that is gonna affect the healing of the implant. Third is, are there medical issues like autoimmune disease, osteoporosis, and they're taking medication for that that makes the bone dense, and therefore the blood supply to the bone is less. And even though the bone, you know, we think our body, we look at it and think it's static, but it's not. It's dynamics. It's constantly changing and turning over, and cells are being made and taken away. And if anything affects that, it's going to affect the implant particularly. The tooth, the natural tooth, has forgiveness. You can get bone loss around it, but you can attach bone back to it, a ligament and bone. That's a more natural way of maintaining, if you can, you, should, you want to maintain your natural teeth. The fourth thing is good width, height, and depth of bone. That's the fourth thing. And they got to have good bone volume to do it. So with these implants... How do we know? I mean, obviously, if we've lost a tooth or if we've lost teeth over time, then, yeah, you may know, okay, I'd like to have these replaced. But I couldn't tell you today whether or not I need an implant. Is that When that comes up, is this something where it's referred to from a dentist or is it generally a patient just coming to you saying, I want to do something about missing teeth? The ability to perform a surgical procedure and place the implant is being taught more and more to dental students specialist. So any board certified student that's a dentist that has his degree can do anything he wants. A general dentist has the ability to do anything that is in the, in the realm of dental therapy, be it root canals, be it uh, crown bridge work, and 
taking teeth out. It's whatever that individual feels like he can do to the best ability. And a, a specialist is somebody like me where we go to extra training. We uh, look at evidence-based treatment, look at the research and sort of understand why things are the way they are, maybe in a little bit more detail. Not that a, a general dentist can't do it. So anybody can do it. It's just a matter of the comfort level. Uh, the, what we're seeing today, though, there's been a pendulum swing from you know, implants. When I first started doing them in 1986, not everybody was doing it. It was basically specialists. And then as training came about, more people, more dentists were doing it uh, across the board. And, but what we're finding is that rather than trying to save the teeth, teeth are being removed and implants being put in. And now what we're seeing is it's not the greatest thing since sliced bread. You know, there are issues with implants. You can get inflammation around them. And once the post, the titanium, has inflammation around it, the pH goes down, makes it acidic. It oxidizes that implant post. The body doesn't like titanium oxide. It'll try to reject it. So does it mean you've lost an implant? No. But you know, why would that happen? Inflammatory gum disease is a big one and a, a major one. And so if somebody loses a tooth due to periodontal disease, they need to be real aware of the fact that they can lose their implant as well. It may integrate initially, but they're spending a lot of money to replace that missing tooth, be it individually or in a bridge or even full mouth implant therapy. And that's a lot of money that you're spending money uh, into or investment into your mouth that potentially you could lose. And that makes sense. So in this instance, you know, there's underlying symptoms or causes there that may have caused you to lose your natural teeth. And so if you're not solving that problem, then you're just setting yourself up for failure with the implants. Exactly. Those things that I look at, the medical history, the way the teeth fit together, you know, are they susceptible to gum disease? Do they smoke? Those things go in when a patient comes in and, or if it's a second opinion or they found out about us that referred to or hit the podcast and they come in, I'm looking at those things because, you know, I'm, I treat the patient like they were me or my family. I'm not going to put an implant in anybody if I think that the, potentially they may have an issue. I'll give them the facts, you know, what they need to look at and understand before they pursue the treatment. Obviously, the best treatment would be a fixed situation where you don't have anything that's removable. But, you know, because the pendulum is swinging back to, okay, maybe not everybody is a candidate, maybe just because a tooth has a fracture, maybe we could do a procedure to save the tooth rather than taking it out and doing an implant. But if a tooth comes out, are there other options? You know, can we do a fixed bridge? Yeah. Can we do a removal device? Partials, you know, partials are an inexpensive way of replacing missing teeth that um, sort of a dying art, you know, a prosthodontist or somebody who's a specialist in restoring teeth, crowns and bridges, dentures, you know, that's an individual sort of like me, but he's gone into extra training in order how to rehabilitate people's mouths in an efficient fashion. They look at a lot of things, the forces of occlusion, things like that. So there are options other than just the implants. Yeah, this kind of goes back to your golf bag of tools there where you can customize and do what's best for the patient. And I want to ask you this. So you talked about smoking, you talked about, you know, maybe recurrence of inflammation or periodontal disease. How much of uh, the decision on whether or not someone should or could get an implant is really dependent on 
them and their actions as opposed to maybe something that's out of their control, such as a medical condition? The things that I look at is once they understand what causes inflammation in the mouth, whether they're susceptible to periodontal disease or not. Everybody has gum disease. You know, 50% of the adult population above the age of 30 has some form of bone loss, 75% above the age of 60. You have bacteria in your mouth, and even though you may not be susceptible, the, bad, but the bacteria that doesn't like oxygen are the ones your immune system will react to. And so even though you may not be, uh, have bone loss due to advanced gum disease, you've you got to be able to remove the bacteria. When somebody comes in and says they brush their teeth once a day, I'm shaking my head because even though they may not be susceptible, that plaque grows around the implant. They're going to have a problem. So oral hygiene, understanding that, okay, I'm going to need to brush my teeth four times a day. One of those times real well, you know, where you floss. And, and being able to manipulate around the implant is key. Most of the time when I see somebody come in with the implants and they're coming from somewhere else, I ask them to show me how to floss their implant, and they're not being taught how to do that. So first order of business is, okay, this is what you want to do. Are you going to, you know, if we do this for you, you need to understand these are the ground rules, and good oral hygiene is basic. It's not only for oral health, but systemic health as well. But, you know, being able to manipulate, being able to have good manual dexterity, and some people don't, you know, the rheumatoid arthritis will affect somebody's ability to use their hands, and that doesn't necessarily mean negate that they can't do implants because you know you can take somebody that's diabetic if they're stable diabetic they act like everybody else but if the sugar level is fluctuating they're not going to heal as good and they're going to have a problem with their implants so just because there are negative factors there doesn't negate the fact that they can't have an implant it's just the mindset they understand what's going on and then we go from there smokers i have done implants in smokers but i tell them if it fails, you, you, it's most likely right off the bat, it's because of nicotine affecting bone metabolism. You need to be aware of that. Now, failure of an implant sounds really scary to me. Is there pain associated with that? What, what happens when an implant fails? When you have inflammation, you know, the American Academy of Periodontology has a diagnosis of periodontal disease. It's stage one, two, three, and four, and then they, they have levels, A, B, and C, depending on the medical condition of that patient. Well, peri-implant mucositis is inflammation around the implant where it's bleeding when you floss it or manipulate it, and peri-implantitis is bone loss around an implant, so it's a little bit further along. You can treat it, and I get very aggressive initially. Now, I try to limit antibiotic therapy, but that's usually the first order of business, is make sure the patient is manipulating the implant, and I'll Put on some put them on antibiotic that's appropriate. Sometimes we'll do a DNA analysis to figure out what kind of bacteria is growing there, but and they'll give us a specific antibiotic to use. If that still is inflammation occurring, if they're still bleeding, then we can use a laser protocol to treat implants. And just because an implant has bleeding doesn't mean it's failed. But once you start losing bone loss, it'll be solid. It may not hurt. The patient might not know that they have a problem. But when I come in and look at it, I do three things. I push on the gingival tissue. If there's bleeding or doing that or exudate, you know, that's the first thing I look at. Then I floss it. If there's bleeding, obviously there's inflammation. And then I tap on it. It should be solid as a rock. And it can be solid as a rock. I could push on it and no bleeding, but then I floss it and there's a little bit of bleeding. That's the beginning of issues. 
And if I can catch it then before there's bone loss, we can reverse it. But once there's bone loss, you know, then the bone's gone. It doesn't necessarily mean they have to need a frontal lobotomy, rotate the right brain to the left to take care of it. But <laughs> there are things that we can do prior to pulling out Big Bertha in my, la- my golf bag of treatment options, the laser club. But the laser technology is phenomenal, and we can treat implants and, and bail them out if they're failing. So there is a way to treat them. It's just understanding how we do it and why we do it. You said that your preference, of course, is to, to keep the natural tooth for as long as you can. But, you know, maybe for someone someone who's on the fence there, what is the difference in the care regimen for an implant compared to a natural tooth? It really is no different other than the fact that when you floss, when we floss, you know, you push to one side and go up and down, sort of C-shaped. And with the implant, you have, you have to... The diameter of the implant rarely recreates the natural diameter of the tooth. So when a crown is put on an implant, the shape of the crown goes into the implant as a concave kind of contour. And so you have to get up around the post of the implant, push toward the implant post, and buff it. And so it's a little bit different. But you brush the same. You, you can eat on I mean, Obviously, you know, two things bring implants down. Trauma, like crunching ice almonds, nail biting, pin chewing. You don't want to do that on an implant. And gum disease. So if you have inflammation under control, normal function, the implant will last. Once it integrates and you're taking care of it and you pretty much understand, you know, like if you pass all my tests, an implant should be have a good long-term prognosis. Yeah, that's great. And you know, it's up to us to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves and our mouths to make sure that we can keep our teeth and or if we have implants, our implants as long as possible. And I, I know we're approaching the end here and you always leave us with an action step. What action step should we be taking? All right. So this may be repetitive, but if you have implants and even if you don't brush four times a day, but that one time you clean them good, remember around the implant, you buff it. You get the floss up against the neck of the implants that goes into the gingival tissue. Don't hurt yourself, but then push toward the implant with the floss and buff it side to side. Do both sides. And if you do that real well, you know, once a day, but brush three other times, as long as you don't see bleeding. If you see bleeding, it persists more than a couple of days, then call your dentist or call us and we'll tell you how to take care of it. Ah, That's great advice. And if that is something that you're considering the implants route, be sure to get a consultation. And as we've heard, you can maybe experience that golf bag of tools that is available to you and that customized treatment option for you. We are out of time for today, but we hope you will join us again next time. You've been listening to the Gum Guru Podcast with Dr. Macon Singletary. If you want to know more about ways to make sure your smile is healthy and information on whether you need to schedule an appointment with Dr. Singletary, check out their website at NorthRaleighPerio.com. If you have other questions you'd like answered on the Gum Guru podcast, send them to contact at NorthRaleighPerio.com.